is Pueblo Benito. Now, he said sharply, drawing himself up, if you wish to send a message to your father, I'll take it. She seemed to steady herself against the wall. Tell my father that if an exchanging me for your war chief means starting a war, I would rather that he marched in here and wiped you out. Tani stiffened, surprised at the vindictiveness of her voice. The return of our chief will not mean war. All we ask is to be left in peace. His capture was a mistake. He was at Yellow House signing a treaty when the young warriors in his party got out of hand and tried to kill your father. The general thought it had been a trap and took our war chief in reprisal. Shige, Hatali said, My son. The old man put his hand on Tani's arm, drawing him toward the door, speaking in Navajo. She would not say this if she knew us better. She is frightened. It is time for you to go. Peshlegai is at his forge in the canyon. You will take him with you. Silversmith? Tani asked. Must I take him? They pushed out through the door and past the guard hunkered before the door. Silversmith has great influence with the trader at Yellow House, Hatali said. You will need him if anything goes wrong. Tani shook his head. He's a member of the Nanestsetsi clan. I've never trusted them. Perhaps the woman from which the Nanestsetsi originated was a Zunyi, Hatali said. But that was so long ago, we have almost forgotten where the name of the clan came from. The Zunyi Navajo clan is as loyal as one of pure blood. I'm not so sure, Tani said. I have seen Silversmith talk with the Zunyis in their own language. A man does not do that unless he has had much contact with them. And you know the Zunyis would be happy to see our power broken here. Hatali chuckled softly. I have heard the same words spoken against you, because you know the language of the whites. But I am sure Silversmith is as loyal a Navajo as you. Tani said no more, following the old man down into the canyon. Hatali Anaji had been his guardian and mentor through the days of his youth, and was now his closest friend. The old man had a leonine mane of white hair, fallen to the shoulders, and wore a cloak made from a red chimayo blanket that covered him to the ankles, flapping constantly at his beaded moccasins. They reached the bottom, where the sheer rock walls tumbled off into talus slopes and finally became the broad floor of the canyon, patched with the cultivated fields of the various clans and the countless hogans of mud-chinked logs. This canyon had been the home of the Navajos for over 150 years, it had been the Spaniards who had originally driven them into Canyon de Chelly. This great gash in the high plateaus of northern Arizona, guarded at each end by such narrow entrances, had been so impregnable that none of the enemy tribes had ever attempted to storm it. Only once had the Spaniards succeeded in entering. That had been in 1805. And what happened to them gave the tributary Canyon of Death its name. Now, in 1850, 
another conqueror had come. Fort Wingate had been established in New Mexico territory, and the tribes outside Canyon de Chelly were beginning to fall to the whites. Already there were many Zuni scouts in the pay of the Americans, and other Pueblo Indians had been brought under white rule. War had not yet officially been declared between the Navajos and the Americans, but there had been many skirmishes between the young braves and scouting parties of white troops. This was one of the reasons Hostin So, the war chief, had gone to Yellow House to sign the treaty. Tani and the old medicine man made their way past the winking fires and the singing squaws and groups of eating men till they came in sight of Peshlikai, silversmith, squatting over his goatskin bellows. He was heavy-muscled for an Indian, with the sweat shining like oil on his coppery skin. He had a broad face with cheekbones pointing.